Hi there. Uh, my name is Bono Brin. I'm Sinn Féin's housing spokesperson here in the Dáil, uh, and I want to welcome you, welcome you all to uh, uh, this uh, short uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, live discussion uh, with Dr. Rory Ahern. As I'm sure most of you already know, uh, Rory is a, a housing activist of many, many years. He's the author of a really wonderful book on the Irish housing crisis, housing shock, which I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about in a moment. And he's also a, a assistant professor of social policy in, in Maynooth University. So Rory, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Owen. Looking forward to this. Well, look, Rory, we'll get straight into it. Um, obviously, you've been tracking um, uh, what's been going on in the housing system for quite some time, and, and particularly, I suppose, the role of big international investment capital uh, in, in the Irish housing market. But really, something has changed in the last week. Michael Brennan, as we know, wrote a piece in the Business Post about the purchase of a residential development in Maynooth. Um, uh, houses, which in fact, in many instances, first-time buyers and other owner-occupiers or would-be owner-occupiers were seeking to buy and, and really created a kind of a big storm. And you wrote a really uh, a good piece in the journal about all of this. So just, I mean, maybe give us your reflections on the story uh, on the week uh, that we've had and the political implications uh, of housing returning to the centre of the political stage. Yeah, Owen, and, and uh, hello to everyone watching. Um, I think that it's really been phenomenal to see the response. Um, and in some ways, you know, I am shocked. And, and you, you know, both of us have been looking at this and campaigning on it and highlighting the issues for years. You know, I was thinking back to like Apollo House in 2016, you know, that occupation highlighting homelessness, the protests we organized on homelessness, you know, the, the amount of articles we've written, you know, you've put motions to the doll on this and in many ways, if you know, this feels very, very different to me. This reaction, this kind of, you know, very deep-seated um, anger from people, and I think what's happened is that, in many ways, you know, housing, and we saw it reflected in the election in terms of gains for yourselves in Sinn Féin, but obviously losses to Fianna Gael, um, and you know, gains for other left parties around housing in the last election. Then, of course, the pandemic hit, um, and really, understandably, housing was pushed off the agenda. Um, and I think had the pandemic not happened, there would have been significantly more focus on housing. And really, in many ways, the pandemic just hid what was going on. And we had investors continued buying up housing. Um, we had, you know, people who were saving deposits. They were then, you know, as the, the um, restrictions are, you know, eased now, people are looking to buy a home and they're suddenly seeing, you know, investors are here and they're buying up their homes. And um, I think what's happened is that it's the minute housing really struck a nerve in a way that people like the apartments, you know, are homes too. And that's something I, I'm quite frustrated with this kind of portrayal that, oh, people who live in houses have have homes, but apartments are just things for like, you know, workers who are here on a temporary basis. You know, people need to live in, and are living increasingly in apartments, families and that. But I think there was something in that minute purchase just really captured people's minds. It was the young couples who were unable to buy a home. And I think that really, to me, it's like the extent of suffering, I call it suffering, of people affected by the housing crisis. And I've been ca contacted by so many people. I'm sure, you know, you are all the time in terms of your constituency work, but I've been contacted by so many people in the last couple of days. And the stories are, they're really upsetting in terms of, you know, people, you know, couples who are putting off having children. We've got, you know, people in terms of been stuck in renting, they see no hope. People stuck living at home. They just feel they've no self-esteem and their independence is stopped. And I think it's just reached a tipping point. To me, it feels like 
the water charges. It feels like that moment at which um, and that, that austerity, the, the water charges were the thing that broke the camel's back of austerity. And I wonder, and I feel, I think, that this investor fund purchase is the thing that's going to break the camel's back of the housing crisis. And I want to return to those real life stories in a few moments. Um, but before we do, just in terms of the funds, right? Um, because there's lots of technical language th thrown around. There's lots of industry language. But at the very core of it, kind of give us your take in terms of, of who these funds are, what they're doing, and how is it actually distorting the housing market and making the housing crisis worse? Because, of course, this isn't the first sale. I mean, these, these sales, whether in the city centre or the suburbs, have been going on for some years. But boil it down for us in terms of who they are, what they're doing, and why it's a problem. Yeah, I suppose, and I write about this extensively in my book and in Housing Shock, and, and I was, you know, highlighting it. And I specifically have a number of chapters looking at it directly because this isn't something, of course, that's happening just in Ireland. This is happening globally, and um, whereby large funds, wealth funds you know, pension funds, investment funds are targeting specifically what's called residential property. That is homes, houses, apartments, and includes land as well. Um, and they're buying them up as an investment asset. Um, and, and the problem with it is, in particular, there's a number of problems with it. The first is that in the context of particularly where you don't have much housing supply, which is what we have a serious problem in this country, these funds essentially are... Um, adding further pressure in. And, and I tried to put the analogy like when we think back to the Celtic Tiger boom and you know, house prices, we had 70, 80,000 houses at one point being built in one year. And yet house prices were you know, way even higher than they are now. And you go, how, when such supply was going on, how were house prices going so high? And it, it was two things. One was the credit that was flowing in from banks. And the second thing was at that point, and I would run parallels with this now, Banks were lending and government was, Fianna Fáil-led government at that point was giving tax breaks to landlords who were buying up properties as investments, as buy-to-let properties. And so we saw in that period this kind of pressure on the housing market from investor landlords, uh, buy-to-let who were small time, um, and people wanting to buy a home. And in a way, we're in a similar situation, except that homeowners can't access that credit in the same way. And in this sense, they are just being completely locked out. So I think what's happening is these funds, and we know what these, you're asking, you know, what are these funds about? These funds are about making the maximum they can, their return on their investment from property. We've got the real estate investment trusts who see this as a long-term strategy. Um, and this is government is saying, these are good, you know, good forms of supply of housing. I disagree. I think the problem is the investors who are here are investing on the basis of high unaffordable rents into the future. So that is really problematic. They are locking in uh, unaffordable rents. And then you also have, of course, investment funds who are buying property and flipping it. Um, and you also have them. Another big issue is, uh, as you know, own very well, they buy up land. And of course, they're a competitor for land, which means that you might have an Irish builder or developer looking to buy a piece of land to build housing, but they can't get it because the vulture fund or the investor fund is bidding up that value. And of course, we actually have the insane situation whereby the Irish Strategic Investment Fund, our own state national wealth fund, is giving funding to the likes of Activate Capital to uh, buy up this land as well, adding more pressure in. So they inflate the price of land, they inflate the price of housing, and they obviously are looking for rents as well. So they're extremely problematic. 
And of course, they, they have two huge advantages. The, the first is, is they can get access to huge sums of incredibly cheap finance. Uh, and we know that uh, from their operations all over the world. But also they're given a really uh, a cushy sweetheart tax deal here. No tax on the rent roll, no capital gains tax, limited stamp duty. And depending on how they're structured, they may not even be paying what they call dividend withholding tax. And that firepower, of course, allows them to outbid anybody else who's interested in, in acquiring these properties. So it really is pushing up the price of land, the price of development, and ultimately the price of, of buying and renting. And it also means that uh, increasing numbers of people who would like to buy and may even be in a position to buy won't have that option because all that will be available in given locations is, is that expensive rent. So I suppose that leads me on to the, the, the Sinn Féin motion that we've tabled uh, in the Dáil tomorrow. Uh, Pierce Doherty, of course, is our finance spokesperson is leading the way in this. But really, I suppose we're calling for something quite similar to what uh, you yourself have been calling for in your commentary and, and some of your activism recently, which is ending all those tax breaks, uh, increasing uh, uh, the stamp duty and cost on, on those types of transactions. And also looking at reforming the planning system uh, to ensure that we get a balanced distribution of properties for owner occupation and properties for rent, because of course we need both. I mean, give us your view, I suppose, on what we need to hear and see from government to try and stop this kind of vulture sell-off and ensure people have access to affordable homes to rent or buy, depending on what suits their needs. Mm. I think we need a really, really dramatic shift, on to be uh, to be honest. I think that we need a radical change um, in our housing policy and our housing direction. And I, I think part of part of the other reason why I think this has has taken off is because even the government's new housing um, affordable housing bill. People saw that, like, and the irony, of course, had been released at the same time. Um, people saw this, and, and the, the notions of affordable housing, you know, being 350 or 450,000, um, the idea that it's just 4,000 homes in the next four years, the limits of the government's own affordability plans were really kind of sh shone through to people, and they were like, is this all? Is this it? Um, and so I think that the measures are needed and they needed to be act, need to be acted on, they, particularly, as you said, those tax break, the real estate investment trust, trust tax break has to be abolished. To me, it's just I can't see how we're we're really going to take this crisis seriously unless we remove those tax breaks that these investors can get access to. The other thing is that needs to be done is I believe that there does need to be a ring fencing. Um, of new developments uh, to be allocated to home buyers. My own view, and I, I know this might be seen as a, as a bit off the wall, but I think it should be as high as 70% in my view. I think that that's the situation we're at now, particularly should be, it could be set as a, as a time limited thing for maybe the next five years, for example, um, on new developments. And I believe it should be apartments and houses. I think that we are in the midst of a massive speculative bubble again in our housing system where prices are completely out of sync of anything, you know, any average income uh, family or worker can afford. And in that context, I think we need serious action. The other thing I think we need is that um, the area of, in my own view, again, I think we need to, uh, and I, I know you're talking about this, the increase in the capital investment, the increase in the build of affordable housing, not just social housing. And I think this is really key. And Okulon have set out um, a model whereby they argue that with half a billion, that's 500 million a year exchequer funding, they could leverage to build 10,000 affordable units per, per year. Um, and I think that's the scale of what's needed because if we don't do this, the investors are gonna continue, like the war chest that they have to buy up funds, I am extremely worried 
about what's going to happen to our housing system in the next three months, six months, two years, that could leave damage for generations to come. No, no, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think the, 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 the case for ending those outrageous tax advantages is crystal clear. Um, and again, the Sinn Féin private members motion is, is very explicit. Uh, end the exemptions on capital gains tax, end the exemptions on tax on rent roll, uh, and increase the stamp duty. Um, and those are things that need to be done. On the planning side, it's interesting because, I mean, I, I always thought Dara O'Brien's suggestion that you could ring fence 30% missed the point, right? Like in the first instance, it should be up to 100% in the sense that a local authority should be able to say, no, this development should be for owner occupiers or it should have a mixture of owner occupation and rental depending on the local need. But maybe now is the time to have a more profound change of our planning system. So not only do we need emergency legislation to capture the stuff that's being built now, but maybe into the future, should we seriously consider requiring all developers in their planning applications, not only to state the number of units, the size of the units, the topology of the units, but also what percentage are rental, what percentage are owner occupation. And then a planning authority could assess that based on need to say, well, actually in this area, we don't need any more rental. In this area, we need a different balance of rental and owner occupation. And then you actually have a kind of a needs-based, evidence-based assessment. So in, in the motion we have tomorrow, we're both calling for that emergency legislation, uh, although the idea that you'd still be able to sell off 70% of a development seems to me absurd. But mm. we're also proposing a more profound change the planning application should no longer be what we call a, a tenure blind. They don't look at whether something is for rental or for purchase, but actually a condition of planning should stipulate uh, all of that. You're, you're also absolutely right on, on, on the capital build. I mean, I thought it was really interesting that yesterday, uh, 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 Kieran McQuinn of the Economic and Social Research Institute in an interview with the Irish uh, Independent on Sunday, for the first time explicitly said, capital investment in public housing on public land has to be doubled from you know, the 1.3 or 1.4 billion it currently is up in the region to, uh, uh, and certainly my estimate, and, and we've discussed this before, closer to 2.8 to 3 billion. Um, and that would then mean that the state itself directly through local authorities, approved housing bodies, community housing trusts, cooperatives, could be directly funding uh, uh, 20,000 public homes a year. And they're public homes, some are social, some are affordable cost rental, <clears throat> some of them are affordable purchase uh, in different ways. And whether we use the model by Okula, and you're right to highlight the really good work of that housing co-op or other models, we would be delivering huge volumes of genuinely affordable homes while also increasing the social homes that, that are needed. Uh, 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 so I, I thought that intervention by, by the ESRI was, was really welcome. I, I also think it's important that we remember the human stories. And you touched on this earlier. I mean, again, I think the journal.ie has done two really good jobs in the last week. One uh, is publishing your own article, which really caught the public imagination but they also did something i think even more important um uh, which is they asked people to send in their own stories and anybody who hasn't read it please it was published yesterday evening it is it is a tough read but it really highlights the kind of the, the multifaceted nature of this which is this isn't just about first-time buyers this isn't just about couples there's a whole range of people out there from people in emergency accommodation people paying high top ups single people in good jobs and able to buy People who've lost a family home because of mortgage repossession after the Celtic Tiger or because of relationship breakdown, as well as the first time buyers. And all of those people's housing needs uh, aren't being met uh, uh, by this government. And I was struck by a phrase, the idea that the housing crisis has many faces, but it has one cause, which is decades uh, of bad government housing policy, prioritizing the needs of the private sector and particularly big investors and big developers 
over the needs of working people. So I suppose if you're able to summarize, Rory, in, in a few sentences, in your book, you don't just describe the problems, but you outline what that alternative would look like, that human rights-based approach. So maybe as, as we bring the conversation to a close, give us a sense of that broad, radical housing policy change package that you've been arguing for, uh, uh, and that I think in part our motion tomorrow deals with some of. Yeah, I think you're right to highlight those stories, and it is an absolutely fantastic piece of journalism by, uh, and I suppose opening up their space, and you know, in terms of journal.e, what they've done. Um, I think that what I set out in the book was really reframing, and you mentioned it there, human rights-based approach, is really reframing, restructuring, reshaping our housing system. Because we call it, everybody calls it the market, they refer to it as the property ladder, the property market. But your housing system should be a system in that it ensures everybody's basic need of a home, affordable, secure, decent quality is met. And that's its primary function. That's what it does. But really over the last 30 years, we've turned housing into an investment asset. And I think that the starting point for me should, needs to be, we need to have a housing policy that creates a housing system based around ensuring everybody has the human right to housing, the human right to home. And I think we do need, and I, you know, I want people watching this to hopefully take it up, to call for that referendum to be held, to put a right to housing in the constitution. I think we need that national conversation. Um, and I think that, and I have it again, and people are interested to go over the, the, my up, the uplift petition that we've set up as well as calling for that, um, that we need a reimagining of our housing system and recreating of it around that fundamental principle that your housing system needs to make sure everybody can have an affordable, secure, decent quality home. And all this pressure about the market, investors, what are they doing? How can we, is just wrong. You look at Austria, what do they do in Vienna? Half of their housing is provided by the state, by local authorities, or by not-for-profits, or by um, housing associations, cooperatives, half of it. In Ireland, it's just 10% of our housing is social housing. That's the shift. We need to get to a place where we have tens of thousands of units being built every year by cooperatives, by not-for-profits. These are housing for sale. We need to support a housing system and nurture and create a housing system that's based around meeting these people's housing need. And that does mean you have to shift policy away from what it has become, which is one just bending all the time to the investors, the landlords, the financiers, the developers, their interests. It means changing our housing system. And I think the big change for me is that up to this point, there was this idea that there was this middle class out there who really benefited from rising property prices and that they're the ones you know, who support the existing housing system. That's all changed. The, the middle class kids can't afford to get a house, be it that rent or buy. And I think that's the big shift has happened. And you've working class people, working people who are stuck overcrowded in generations in social housing. They can't get social housing. They're out in half accommodation, uh, wait, you know, being worried they're gonna be evicted by the tenant. The state needs to get back to funding and building uh, all those different forms of housing. And I really, you know, it's not about going back to the council housing, you know, of the past. This is a new way of doing it as well. We want to do the affordable rental that's available to anybody on any income and that's there and not sold off. We want to build cooperative housing that's available for people to buy. And we want social housing as well. And we want to plan communities and put environmental sustainability at its heart, put community at, at its heart. This is a very radical idea, as you know, Owen, but what I think that's changed is people see the market has absolutely disastrously failed in housing. 
and that only such a dramatic change uh, will get us to a place where, and I do believe it's a generation, uh, a generation doesn't see housing as an investment. It sees it as a home and a human right. And I think that's where we're going to get. And I, I actually believe we're going to get it. No, no, and, and I agree with you. And I think one of the things that's interesting for those of us who've been housing activists for, for many years is when I was reading across all of the Sunday papers uh, 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 from their business editors to their political editors to their columnists, everybody was saying the same thing. So it's almost mm. like this consensus has now emerged of the scale of public investment to meet social affordable housing need uh, and while tackling all of the other inequalities in our housing system. Um, and the only people who haven't woken up to this is a very small number of people who happen to occupy positions of significant authority in government buildings. Uh, and I do hope that the events of the last week become that turning point. I suppose I, I want to end by saying two things, because while we're rightly focusing on the needs of people who want to buy their own home or rent affordably, we should never forget that there's still a homeless crisis. Uh, and one of the stories that got less attention last week than some of the others is the news that 38 people uh, accessing homeless services died in the first three months of this year. Again, a very significant uh, increase on, on the levels of such deaths from, say, two or three years ago. And therefore, uh, while we're, we're fighting the good fight for first-time buyers, for divorcees, for single people, for renters, we always have to remember there are other groups of people excluded, whether they be travellers, whether they be people coming out of the asylum system, people fleeing domestic violence, uh, but also, crucially, those people who don't even have a roof to put over their heads, that we have to make sure have a place in this new uh, needs-based housing system uh, uh, that we're seeking to, uh, to build. Folks, the only way this is going to happen is if we all get involved. This can't be left to a, a, a few activists or academics or politicians. We need a mass movement demanding the kind of paradigm shift in housing policy that Rory has outlined here today and has been arguing for for some time. And while COVID-19 has some restrictions on our activism, it doesn't end our activism. So please go across after, after you've watched this Facebook Live to uplift, support, share and like Rory's petition. Obviously, we have the Sinn Féin uh, private members motion tomorrow. Feel free to email your government TDs, backbenchers from Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens and tell them you want this supported. But crucially, we need to build momentum and pressure, raise the roof. The civil society and trade union-led campaign uh, uh, at the forefront of this campaign is still alive. Get involved. And there are a plethora of housing rights organisations, campaigns and other activities. So please... If housing is important to you, uh, if housing is important uh, to the people uh, uh, around you, then get active, get involved and join this growing movement so we can turn the very legitimate anger of people into real social and economic change. We did it with water. We did it with marriage equality. We did it with repeal. We can absolutely do it with housing. And maybe, Rory, uh, uh, since you've been good enough to join us, I'm going to give the last word to you uh, 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 in terms of where we want this to go from tonight. Yeah, no, I think you summed up very well, Owen. Um, I think that the key thing is that people really raise their voice now, that um, this that people aren't, you know, don't go back, that we don't let this slip off the headlines. As you said, they can go over to um, Uplift, sign the petition. They can absolutely do email their TDs, their councillors from all the political parties to support your motion, I think is really important. Um, and I think that people need to really just see how they can get involved as Home for Good, campaign around the right to housing for the constitution. I think people need to start, you know, getting themselves informed, talk to their family members. Let's really create, obviously COVID restricts in terms of our mobilization. 
Um, but I think there's ways we can mobilize. And so connecting uplift has a lot of different housing campaigns going home for good. As you said, raise the roof is there as well. And um, I feel I really do feel this is a turning point, but we have to make sure it is. Um, and I think that also this is hopefully a real value shift as well. And I really do see like I always I'm always struck on by Leilani Farah, the uh, UN Rapporteur on the Right to Housing, when she spoke at the Oireachtas Housing Committee. And of course, she wrote to the Irish government two years ago saying, warning about the investment funds. Um, and she said, why would a government and a country not want to be proud that it has a rights-based housing system? And I think the same thing. Why would we not want a housing system? And let's be proud of it in, in 10 years time, 20 years time. Let's us be the Vienna of the world saying, look at our wonderful housing system where we ensure everybody has their home, where there's no homelessness, where everybody has a secure, affordable, decent home, where they live in communities they're part of. And um, that's the country I want to be part of and proud of. And I hope that uh, I hope and believe we will achieve it. But it's going to take a bit of work and we've got to stand up to do it. You, you and me both, Rory. Well, look, folks, uh, on that very uplifting and optimistic note, uh, first of all, thanks to Rory uh, uh, for sharing his time with us. And don't forget uh, his book, Housing Shock, is available at all good bookstores uh, and online. So uh, it's a really important read. And look, thank you for listening. Uh, 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 thank you for taking the time. But please get up, get active, get organised, and let's build that better housing system that we all want and so many people rightly deserve. Mm -hmm.